you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And understand divine connections when God brings them and presents them. Probably we would walk with much more faith, except it wouldn't be faith. We would walk with knowledge. About somewhere around 25 years ago, our late bishop, Brother Price, as he launched a Spanish ministry in the Indiana district, held the first Indiana Spanish conference on Delphi Avenue. And he called a gentleman from Chicago, Illinois, that was a pastor there growing a church bilingual by the name of Rick Gonzalez he came and preached on Delphi Avenue all of those many years ago I remember sensing an anointing that was on him although I sat through those services and understood nothing but it's something how that the spirit still speaks expressly to his church I remember easing over to him on the last night of that conference, ignorantly thinking that his schedule would be open, and I invited him to stay over on that Saturday night and preach for us on a Sunday morning, and he said, I'm sorry, I have to get back to Chicago. We met again about four years ago at Chicago on Fire, and several of you went and were there, and we were all blessed by the ministry of Lee Stone King and the translation of Brother Rick. Gonzalez. After a brief cancel, after a very short cancellation, just a few days before the awakening this year, the call came in that our speaker could not be here. After weeks and weeks and weeks of fretting over making the call, I picked up the phone and called, expecting to hear once again, I'm sorry but my schedule won't allow it. But instead, a very excited voice on the other end said, I want to be there. Amen. We talked on the phone just a little bit, and I think it was that same evening that Bishop Gonzalez called me back, and he said, I checked my schedule. I'm going to be there, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be there on Sunday. But God had a way. Working things to where he could not only be here Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but be here on this Sunday. This is the last night of the awakening, but not the last night of what God has done through this awakening. He has set the stage to move us forward. But God can do nothing except you open your heart and your mind and allow God to do what he wants to do in this house. I know this is different, but without a hand clap, I want you to lift your hands toward heaven and commit to the Lord that I'm going to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church as Bishop Rick Gonzalez from Chicago, Illinois, comes and takes this pulpit tonight. He comes as a messenger sent from God to Frankfort, Indiana. Open your heart to what the Lord wants to say tonight. Lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Exalt the king. Give him the glory and the honor that is due his name. My 
Almighty God, we worship you. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be seated for a moment. to and in regards to all of those involved in everything that has transpired here, the background, the backbone of the operation being put on in the conference in Chicago, as you've heard, and it takes so many, many so many boots on the ground. Thank you. Uh, that sound team, you saved my voice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They say that if they don't like you, they'll really make it hard for you. And I'm just going to believe they like me. Thank you to all of you back there for giving me enough monitor to hear what I'm trying to say. Kevin, is that it? Yeah, that's been taking my card and putting the wrong gas in it. <laughs> he only did that one time. I didn't even expect anybody to put gas in my car, so thank you. You get an A for effort. This, I, think, I think the second time it, it, ran, it ran well on the way here, and so I, uh, I can tell it doesn't have. 90 octane or higher. It's, it's you know, part, one of my gifts. <laughs> Praise God. But uh, thank you, brother, for looking out for the Batmobile. Amen. And, uh, and we'll give him his gang name. Because in Chicago, fellows like that, they got to have a name. He's tall, kind of mysterious. We'll call him Special K. Appreciate the hookup, man. Every time you look at him, just go like this. That's hello. guys are a piece of work. Thank you for accepting me with all my flaws and all my weaknesses. And uh, most importantly, thank you for listening to the Lord. I love you, Bishop and First Lady. Top chair, first class. Amen. Amen. Last night of any meeting, you know, you get a little salty. That's a sad in Chicago way. And uh, I uh, had some fellowship with your pastor and first lady today. We broke bread together, had a meal, <clears throat> talked about the things of God. And uh, once again, the Lord provided some significant ministry as we interacted in the restaurant. I'm so grateful. I want to say this to all of you, and I may have mentioned it from time to time in different settings throughout my stay and my visit here. Thank you for adding value to my life by letting me be involved in yours. Thank you. I do love you. I appreciate you. 
image of one of my favorite characters, not in the Bible. I'll be back. <laughs> you guys are so carnal. My dad used to say that all the time. Before he got a whipping. Anyway. <laughs> we have come through the door. What's left? What comes after we have reconciled our identity? We have settled the matter of who we truly are. We have done what the Lord, what the Spirit of God has bid us to do. A little recap as I bring to your attention the journeys of a nation that God separated unto himself and the battles that they faced internally to become the people that God had separated indeed. Called out of Egypt, one of their greatest struggles. I've always asked myself the question, why did it take 40 years for a nation to reach a promise that was only 11 days journey? That was the proximity. That's how close they were to embracing the promised land, that which God had given them. They would have only walked, traversed that land for 11 days, but it took 40 years he had to come against them, and the sentence of a death march was imposed upon them, tried by his wisdom and his knowledge, tried and held in contempt of his word. He sentenced them to a 40-year death march. A generation had to die. But in the same deserts and in the same places where one generation was condemned to die, another generation was born. The same desert that eliminated the problem also birthed the solution. A generation with a Revelation, listen now, every generation will be defined by the revelation that they have. The problem was that Israel, coming from their captivity, did not believe necessarily that what God said to them could really happen. Maybe they believe it could happen, but certainly they found no personal application, thus becoming wanderers. The learned behaviors that they brought, in spite of all the miraculous exposure that they had, still chose to be the guiding factor the thing that controlled their minds and with their minds also controlled their actions. Are you listening? You see, they left Egypt, but somehow Egypt did not leave them. They left, but never truly embraced the evidence that pointed to their promise. There was a mentality that limited what God could do for them. 
As a matter of fact, if you read in the Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 78, you will find a discourse about the very, very frustrating interaction that God continuously had with a nation who refused to embrace their faith in a God who had done all for them and more than the average. And the scripture concludes that they limited the Holy One of Israel. And thus, they found themselves wandering in a wilderness. You see, that generation only had a revelation of where they came from. But that is all that they had. It's not good enough to know where you came from. As a matter of fact, in the context of what I've been preaching, it can be the worst thing possible to dwell only on where you've come from. Now you can have a testimony and say, that's what I used to be. And speak of a revelation of what God did to take you from what you used to be as he began a spiritual formation within you to, for you to become what you're supposed to be. So they had a revelation of where they came from. But they could not grasp the revelation of where they were going. And that's why God had to come against them. But I'm talking to a church today that has crossed the threshold. And now, because visitation has been received, you now are afforded the revelation of where you're going. And you will be defined by every revelation given to you. They allowed their mentality to be formed too soon. And therefore, their revelation was absorbed in the only identity that they could relate to. Are you listening? But that following generation believed to have been born in the desert. They had no true connection except for the stories they heard of where they, their parents used to live and others were held captive. They had no hope for that past or any understanding of it. In other words, that had no influence on them. All they knew was that there was a promise and their revelation was, we're going there. Are you ready for what that implies to you? As the bishop spoke about a change of vision, have your eyes been opened? Lift your hands right now. Are your eyes clear? Are they becoming clearer? It's not all going to be poured out, but at least are you looking in the right direction? Have you stopped looking back and now are looking forward? Have you allowed him to wash your eyes out with tears until all of that residue of the things that don't matter can be washed out so your optic nerve can focus on where you're going? Going, uh, what belongs to you uh, is amazing. Uh, it is powerful and it is greater. <laughs> and so my spiritual identity has been altered through exposure to visitation, to the presence of if you are indeed hungry enough, you cannot but be transformed by the presence of God. 
You cannot remain the same person after you have been exposed to such a thing as the glory of God. It doesn't matter whether your flesh ever understands it or not. I submit to you, it cannot reconcile. It cannot digest. Therefore, you have to cross that veil and forever dwell in that place. So, we cannot just be defined either by where we are now. But everything progresses in the spirit. I've said this many times. Every atom in the universe is fulfilling its mission by creative design. And you and I also have been called to fulfill our mission. But somehow out of all of creation, man is the only idle thing that must be pushed, that must be motivated. But that's why he put his divine nature inside of you to show you the possibilities of having the almighty God drop his DNA into your spirit and begin to switch and change the molecules that spiritual deoxyribonucleic acid now has a portion of God in it and therefore it is longing to release supernatural expression that's where we're at we're no longer crippled we're standing we're crossing into that beautiful place majority of the time I may see through a glass darkly some things other things are just too clear to ignore and I will never forget as I began to enter into that dimension in the early years of my ministry how through those defining moments of being in his presence, of fasting, of interceding late at night, I asked my pastor for a key to the church so I could spend time with Jesus. I was taken to places in the spirit that I cannot even begin to explain to you. But the one thing that I realized was I was under a divine visitation and it was releasing into my life an anointing that I had never ever considered could be possible. So I can't see people anymore like I used to. I can't see my world anymore like I used to. Now I can focus with so much subjectivity and look at an individual. And this is what God is trying to tell you. That's not just for me. I'm sharing something to you that, for, that God is trying to also help you to reconcile that your vision has been changed. You got your new prescription and now opportunity arises. So I'm preaching one day and I've watched this young man, a gangbanger, walk into the church weekend after weekend, sometimes lapses of two or three weeks, then to come again. And I'll never forget, I said, God, what is it about this young man that you keep putting my focus on? What is it? And the Holy Ghost spoke to me one day in that service and said, there's a bullet with his name on it. And it's going to happen in that morning service. I remember God said, he is going to be shot tonight. And I called that young man out. And I said, son, 
the Holy Ghost just spoke to me that you are going to be shot, that there is a bullet with your name on it, and you have a choice to make. Well, God spoke to that young man through that simple word of knowledge. He came to the altar, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I baptized him that day. And around midnight, as he stood around outside his house, talking to his friends that belonged to that gang about the Lord, a rival gang pulled up in front of the house and three armed men with extended clips unloaded the clips of nine millimeter rounds right into the three of them. And the young man stood and took multiple bullets into his clothes, but not one of them hurt his body. I'm talking about something beautiful. I'm talking about the supernatural. Come on, church. It's testimony time. I can talk all day about the people that God has spared like that. I'm trying to tell you, greater, nobody does anything greater than Jesus. What greater means, it's multiplying throughout the church. That's what greater means. Everybody, I said everybody. Everybody say everybody. Say it again. Now say that's me. Come on, give God praise. a meeting similar to this on the second night of revival on the second night of the meeting I watched as the people left the service to find out somewhere around 11 as I fellowship with the pastor that that night a little Salvadorian lady who had been in the meeting had gone out to one of those outdoor taco stands in the city, in a rougher part of town. Sometimes you got to take that risk and risk your life for a good taco. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> Some of you will just settle for Taco Bell. Listen to me. That is no Mexican food. I don't care if Mexicans work there. Uh, your mother would not approve. Put the knife away. She was shot as two gangs exchanged fire. And the bullet entered her leg and traveled up and lodged itself in a mass of nerves and the doctors told her you are going to be paralyzed there is nothing we can do because of the position of that bullet if we open you up medically we will injure you even worse you're going to have to let that bullet just stay there and hope for the best they wheeled her out of that hospital in a wheelchair not daring to touch her medically after they looked at the x-ray. But God. First lady. They're just doctors. That's all they are. They're just doctors. I pastor three of them. I've won brain surgeons to the Lord. And they've told me. After they've seen what God does at ICF. I'm just a doctor. But I'm talking about the great physician who specializes in everything.
pretty excited. I didn't even tell you what went down yet. Oh, but faith is in the house. You've already seen. That's what vision does. It helps you to see the things even that you don't know anything about as if they went down. Well, it did go down. And that next night, they walked her in in a wheelchair. And as I started to preach, I saw her. And the Holy Ghost said, go to her. And so I came off the pulpit. And I went down the aisle. And I met that little Salvadorian lady. Just a tiny little lady. Could have put her in my pocket. And she had the bandage all over her leg. And I said to her, Hermanita, usted piensa que Dios podría hacer un milagro por usted. Which being interpreted is, little sister, do you believe that God can do a miracle for you? She lifted her hands and just started to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I grabbed the sister next to her and I said, put your hand right where the injury is. And she put her hand on it and I put my hand on her hand. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And that little woman started to shake. The bullet began to dislodge inside of her body. I said, take the bandage off. They took the bandage off. And the bullet dropped in my hand. We serve the God of the drive-by shooting. We've crossed the gate beautiful. What do you need to see? God has released virtue throughout the region because of the apostleship and the key that was handed. Come on, somebody give God praise. This is where we're at, church. We no longer live concerned about the storms that come our way. When you cross the threshold of the gate beautiful, you no longer worry. I can't tell you how many times the devil's come to me and said, I'm about, uh, you think you've defeated me here and there, I'm about uh, to unleash uh, the worst storm. Uh, you thought Eurotoclidon was bad. I'm going to dump on you the perfect storm. And I said, devil, I am the storm. I am your storm. I'm not concerned and have never really wondered what circumstances created the fact that a malignant tumor was discovered in my wife's right orbit years ago. But this I knew when I talked to the doctor. She could die if she wasn't operated and she could die if she was operated. To which I said, you're just a doctor. And then I looked at my wife after we went through some tests and things. And she decided I want the surgery. I said, okay. In that case, he's still just a doctor. He's going to be the donkey that Jesus rides on. He's just going to be an instrument. Don't fear the medical community. Just worship God. Don't. Are you listening? I, I'm very practical about this stuff. There's no lack of faith because you take medicine or don't take medicine. It had nothing to do with it. The gifts of healing operate in so many multiplicities of dimensions. Sure, God could heal me of a headache. 
but I also have a leave. He gave somebody the knowledge about that. All right, just stand down. You guys are looking at me like civilians. And so they started to put her asleep. And I'll never forget her words. As they started to wheel her away and they let go of her hand, she looked at me and she said, Rick, please don't sell the kids. She was stoned. <laughs> they drugged her so bad. You thought I was going to, something emotional was going to happen, right? We're going to cry together. No, she told me not to sell the kids. That's what she said. And I didn't. It was about this size, First Lady. And they put the thing up to make sure that everything. They cut her and all. And they wanted to shave her head and do all that. And she said, you're not cutting my hair. But they peeled her face right off. And expose the skull and the right organ. Do they have it for you? And as he separated the right orbit, the tumor dissolved in front of him. And a four and a half, five hour surgery turned into a 20 minute procedure that just entailed sewing her back up. Because. <laughs> I serve the God of all miracles. Listen. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church on this last night of awakening. God is saying we've crossed over. Somebody give him praise. Crazy praise. Come on, church. This is where we're at. The disciples crossed over with Jesus, sleeping in the boat, and the storm arose. This is where we're at. Watch this. Watch this. And as the storm shook the ship, and they began to panic, one of them, or however many, yelled down into that hole down there and said, Master, don't you care that we perished? ever wonder why it is that he just chose to sleep in the most dangerous moment of their existence? I'm just trying to make a point. And he said, oh, you guys, you little faith. You know, I needed this nap. Guys, I needed this nap. And you were worried about a storm. Pace me still. <laughs> now I'm going to resume my nap. They all stood there with that deer in the headlight look that you're giving me right now. What manner of man is this who commands? Who controls the weather, to whose voice the elements submit. And that was pretty cool, right? But that's not where we're at. That's where we were. We want him to do the storm. Now they're in the same ship. This time he sent them alone. And there's a bit of a tempest and there's stuff going down and the ship is again being shaken. And Jesus waited to leave them out there. And now, while they're tripping, he comes walking on the water. 
Jerusalem. First, they can't recognize him with all those looks. And then on top of the storm, they're tripping. Now they got a ghost honking down. And the boy's shaking. And Philip realizes him. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. You want to judge Peter because... He lost a moment of faith when his humanity got involved. I told you we made room for you even in the boat. Fact is, he walked out, and for a moment he started to sink, but he walked back on the water. And what God's trying to tell us is, look, you don't need to be asking me stuff about, you don't need to ask me to calm these storms. I have given you the power to walk on the storm. This is where we're at. I no longer am going to feed the multitudes. You feed them. Are you listening? You move in the spirit. You be my hands. You be my mouth. You be my feet. You be my representatives. That's what greater means. Boots on the ground, everybody. Boots on the ground. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not just the preacher preaching the awakening conference, but every saint of God who dares to believe. Clap your hands and give God praise. Mental illness ran strong in her family. Connected to it were spirits that would align themselves with the frailty of her mind because of the chemical imbalances plus the traumas of life that she had lived through, abused and beaten throughout her childhood and in so many ways mistreated and mishandled until she walked into ICF with her husband, a last resort. But it was all they had left, the possibility that somewhere there would be a church out of all the churches that they had been involved in. Somehow they got word that God was showing up at that venue. And they came. And they listened. But one final attack upon her mind. And she was taken into custody deemed to be a danger to herself and others. Drugged by every psychoactive substance that they could use to keep her calm. The spirits trying to destroy her as her mind could not function. She could not be aware of what was happening to her. That was the level of the insanity that plagued her life. But her husband, while she was locked up, faithful to the services, every day that we had church, he was there at the altar. I'll never forget. As we had a move of God, I watched him. He's a little Romanian man. His name is Nick Bragar, one of my favorite preachers in our church. But then he was just a desperate man with a desperate need. And I remember looking at him across the congregation as I stood on the platform. Angels were moving all about the place. The worship was explosive. The intercessors were in place. Soul travail was flowing in the house. It was such an electrifying atmosphere. And there was so much activity in the spirit world. And I'll never forget, at that distance, in all the noise, God shut it all down and opened my ears to the words that were coming out of Nick Bragar's mouth. And they were, Jesus, I see all this. You 
she was 10 miles away, strapped to a bed with leather straps restraining her. Out of her mind, demons dancing, proclaiming victory. But when he said, Jesus, deliver my wife, I watched an angel descend and stand next to him. And I heard him say, Jesus, please deliver my wife. The angel leaned to listen to what he said and stood. And as if God said, did you hear him? Now go. That angel left the building. And I started to worship. I didn't tell anybody. Moments later, I told, I stopped the worship. I didn't want to stop everything else just for that because Jesus was multitasking. But when it toned down a little bit, I said, Brother Nick, stand up. The Lord has sent an angel to deliver your wife from that hospital. Two hours after the service was over, I got a call. A weeping Nick Bragar said, Pastor, Pastor, they called me. My wife is in her right mind. Whatever she was on, they don't understand how those drugs are no longer affecting her. The psychiatrist is coming in to examine what has happened. Looks like if everything's okay, they're going to release her tomorrow morning after they sign off. When God signs off on it, they're just doctors. But God has the last word. I said God has the last word. Are you ready to move in that dimension? We're crossing over. We've crossed over. We're past. And we have entered a beautiful place of timing and season, empowerment and development. Ah. Ah. You want some more? I can preach all night about the miracles. I've watched them dead. Okay, one more. I shared it with the fellas, so don't start jumping until I share it. You will be back up on your feet. I frequent my city a lot. I drive to every neighborhood that the Lord leads me to and I pray. And I receive. Early, early in the morning hours. 0300 to 0400, no less. I rolled up on my headlights, saw a woman the intersection of Chicago Avenue and Pulaski, one of the most violent neighborhoods in Chicago. Four gangs converge in that region. And I saw the body of a woman laying there. And I rolled up, got out of my car. As a deputy medical examiner by training as well, I took her vitals and I knew she was dead. She was cold. She was expired and she had expired already for a while. And cars drove by, some just beeped, and I could hear them. They were drunk and stoned, just mocking the situation. One lady rolled up and said, is she dead? And I said, yes, she is. Should I call 911? And they said, she's dead. But of course, you should call the police. Or... You could just call Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me, are you going to be a cop today? Or are you going to be my instrument today? And by the anointing of God fell on me. And I put my hand on her. I could see her arms on the tracks. I knew it was an overdose. The thought that dried up in her mouth. I've seen it too many times. 
resurrection. Death. To death, you will lose this woman. You will release her. Loose your grip upon her. I speak life into this corpse in the name of Jesus. <gasps> she took a breath, opened her eyes, and started to breathe as her heart started to beat. Her lungs filling with air as she breathed. Inhale, exhale, heartbeat strong. And I picked her up and I walked her to the curb. And a big, big black man in a purple suit. I'd never seen. Wasn't there when I got there. But he looked sharp. He was decked out Chicago style. He said, I'll take it from here. And she took her, he took her out of my arms and said, your job is done. You may go. And I left him with his hands puzzled. And I know when I have seen an angel. Keep me in suspense too long. You didn't let me get her name, where she lives, maybe could hook her up with a Bible study, something. I said, just go. Obviously, it wasn't done. Talked to some of my elders. We shared notes. Some of it's just stuff, my stuff. back in that neighborhood a few days later. Tim, you just want to keep my name out of your mouth. Going down and approaching the same intersection during the day. People everywhere. Traffic. People on the streets. A couple of Lizzie's over here. Those are hookers. That's old Colleen. She's retired. Drug dealer when I was a guy. That, those people everywhere. And as I drive up to the corner, there's the fella in the purple suit again. Sticking out like a sore thumb. And as I drive by, I look and he goes, <laughs> that's Chicago for hello. So I said, and I looked at him and I focused back on the road and I looked in the rearview mirror gone. I said, okay, God, stop playing with me. Stop messing with me. He said, pull over. I said, I just, I got bored. He said, I marked that corner with a note of a moral because you will see a church in that neighborhood. that I have called ICF to start. The seed of the miraculous is planted and will be planted from this place throughout the region, not only within the jurisdiction of this region, but globally. The seed of miracles, the operation of the supernatural will be released on a global scale from this conference and from this church saith the Lord I am repeating to you a prophetic word this is the third time this church has received a very very similar prophetic word know that out of the mouths of two or three witnesses three prophecies let it be established so let it be written. 
it is done. Somebody received that promise. You may be the catalyst. You may be the one that's going to have to lay hands on somebody. You may be the one that will operate. This altar is open. I am releasing impartation right now for every gift of the Spirit that needs to operate in its place, in its timing. Word of knowledge, gift of discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, the working of miracles, the prophetic word. Come on. Come on, church. We crossed. Tonight, we get commissioned. Tonight, uh, we go with clear vision in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, worshipers. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, somebody needs to speak into the spirit realm right now. You need to connect with this spirit to spirit. Come on. Put the antenna up. God is downloading destiny into your spirit. God is downloading anointing, a double portion into your spirit. The heavens are open. Angels are moving among us in this place. Virtue is being released upon us. He is opening up the windows of heaven right now. Gifts are being imparted right now. Lift your hands. You ask them to operate in that dimension. Now lift your hands and receive the virtue. Activate your gifts tonight in the name of Jesus. Some of you are going to see notable miracles just in the next few days. God will prove you. And he will show himself faithful in the name of Jesus. have been shifting in the spirit. Destiny is released into your life. A new focus, a revelation. This is your service. This is your moment right now. This is the will of God. Some 
will see it but not partake because of their unbelief. You carry on. And when they talk against it, you ignore it because the Lord has declared his counsel. He has released his will upon this congregation, upon this conference, upon this region in the name of Jesus. Come on. People are going to be delivered from depression, from substance abuse. Marriages are going to be restored. Uh, young people bound up by the world uh, are going to break out of the pressures uh, that are out there as they seek uh, to find their place in the kingdom. There is a wave of the Spirit uh, that is sweeping right now. Angels are at attention, listening for God's command for them to go as you intercede, as you travail, as you birth things in the spirit. Ministering spirits are moving on behalf of those who are the heirs of salvation. Here comes the second wave. Lift your hands. Here comes the second wave. Oh, you are causing God to turn his face toward you. Somebody's getting his attention. You're no longer seeking his hand. Now you're seeking his face. He's turning his face in your direction. He's turning his glance upon you. Here he comes. Come on, church. The cloud is descending in this house. We'll never do church the same way. Our worship has become prophetic. We'll never do ministry. We'll never do life the same way. This is new wine. This is new stuff. You can't pour it in the old wineskins. This is new stuff.
this is where we're at. And I close the conference with this verse of scripture. And then you're back to the altar. Isaiah 45. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name. He has called you by your name. And the God of Israel, treasures of darkness, hidden riches of secret places. Lift your hands and receive that scripture. In Jesus' name.